Good evening. What may I get started for you? Hmm. I'm thinking about getting the approval of others. Should I? Oh, definitely. I'll have that. Excellent choice. It comes with 2,000 Facebook likes. And for you, madam? Well, I will also have the approval of others, but on a bigger, much nicer plate than hers. Uh, and... Oh, can I get the likes and followers? Of course. Two popularity specials, one with comparison and one without. I'll get that started for you and also bring out a basket of selfie sticks. Yes, yes please. <laughs> We are starting a brand new series this morning called Talking About Shoes, uh, Popularity versus Purpose. Popularity, chapter 11, and we'll look at a verse in just a few moments here as you're turning there. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to just stop for a moment and just say, praise the Lord, He is still risen, amen. Um, we celebrated Easter Sunday last Sunday, and I pray that you were with us, and if you were, you were hopefully blessed by that experience of just worshiping together. Uh, but sometimes we can get past Easter and our minds start automatically transitioning back to normal. And uh, we need to celebrate every single day as He is risen because it is true. What Greg said is true. Before we knew Christ, uh, we were a valley of dry bones. And upon receiving Christ, He made us alive. He quickened us, the Bible says. And we are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And so we are so thankful this morning for that opportunity to just worship Him again anew today. Uh, because he is a living and breathing, active Savior in the world today. And so we do not worship a dead Savior, but a risen Savior. The, over this series, in the next few weeks, we're going to consider our choices, but also realize that we are the result of our decisions. While we agonize over little things like what to wear and what to eat, are we glossing over the big choices in life? There might be more on the line than you thought when you say the, the phrase, I choose. Over the next four weeks, we're going to learn together how to be intentional about the choices we make, to think deeper in the choices we make. I want to start by asking you to do something for me, that this is just kind of a mental exercise, and everyone has to do it, okay? If you don't do it, there's a couple guys in the church I'm going to send over to sit next to you, okay? And you're not going to like that, all right? I'm just kidding. That's not really going to happen. Uh, but let's do this. I want everyone to imagine for a moment everyone in the world likes you. Okay? The laughter usually happens pretty quick when you say something like that, right? But I want you to do this for a moment. Honestly, I want you to imagine everybody likes you. Nobody dislikes you at all. Like you are liked by every person on the planet. I want you to imagine that for a moment, how that would feel. How would you would enjoy that, like being liked by everybody? You guys, you guys with me so far? Everybody do that? Everybody good? Many of you are like, I can't even imagine that. It's so far-fetched. Because here's the reality. What you just imagine will never, ever happen. Not any time in your existence will every single person, not only in the world, but that you meet, will like you. People will not like you. And we have to just accept that it's true. But listen, for some of us, that is extremely difficult to do. It is extremely difficult to actually imagine someone not liking you. And this morning, we're going to talk about the choice of purpose over popularity. Some of you maybe have thought that you haven't battled with popularity since junior high. 
I mean, is popularity really something that adults battle with? But I believe every single person in this room, to some degree, battle with the desire to be liked by everyone. And if I'm being honest, that's me. I'm just going to be transparent. I hate it when people don't like me, especially when you don't know why they don't like you. You ever have that one? Someone doesn't like you and you don't even know why they don't like you. It's not like you did something to them, like backed into their mailbox or something. Oh, I get it. You don't like me because I ran over your mailbox. I get that. I made fun of you and you were insulted. Okay, I got that. But sometimes people will just not like you because they just don't like you. Doesn't that just, I don't, man, maybe you're like, I don't care. It never bothers me. I mean, maybe it doesn't bother you as much as it bothers others, but I would question whether it really doesn't bother you at all. Do you ever have somebody say, man, I don't know why so-and-so doesn't like me, but I don't care anyway? Do you ever hear that one? Is it true they don't care? How do we know they care? Because they brought it up, right? They said, I can't believe so-and-so doesn't like me. Not that it bothers me. We all battle with this. And it's okay because it's kind of, I mean, we were kind of made to be relational creatures, right? We were made to have relationships with other people. We will, by default, choose the option that will make us liked by those we desire to connect with and be welcomed. I believe that a big part of the reason we do this is because we don't understand our purpose in this world. We don't understand our purpose in this world. So all we're left with is trying to do whatever is necessary to be liked by as many people as possible. You find this group of people or this, this maybe, a, maybe at work or at home or in your community or people that you look up to and you really want to be welcomed by them and part of their group so you'll do whatever. So they'll welcome you in and they'll accept you. But as I learned and we tried to teach our students in youth ministry here, the minute you make the choice to be popular over purpose, now you have to keep doing whatever is required to keep your popularity. We used to tell our students that when they were in junior high, we would harp on this and harp on this and harp on this. We would try to tell them, listen, don't compromise today your values and your integrity so you can be liked for six years but ruin the rest of your life. And there are students, listen, if you're here today and you're a student, whether in junior high or high school, maybe you're a little younger than that. If you're a student here today, do not buy the lie that you need to give in and be cool and be popular so that all these people in your high school accept you. Because listen, you need to think big picture. You don't compromise your values and your self-worth so that this group of 15 and 16 year olds like you for a couple of years. And then when you're 20 and 25 and 30, you look back and go, man, I wish I could go back and undo that. Just out of curiosity, any adults, you don't have to say what it is, but any adults here today above the age of 21 that would say, I wish I could go back and undo some things I did in high school, done them a little different, raise your hand. Okay. That's because guess what? When you're in that, that 14 to 18 range, 12 to 18 range, man, you are just thrown every angle to be popular and be accepted and to be liked. And here's the thing. When we get out of high school and out of college and we're in our adult lives, that doesn't ever really change. We just learn how to kind of hide those things. That desire you have to have the better car than your neighbor or to have what your neighbor has or to be liked by this group of people so you wear certain things so they'll accept you, that still exists as adults today. People always will battle with this issue of popularity versus purpose. But the problem is, when we 
give in to popularity so easily and by default, it's because we don't understand our purpose, why we're really here in this world. Man, we can talk about the fact that he has risen and he has given us new life. But if you don't understand the purpose of that new life, you're just going to spin your wheels and just give in to whatever the world says. I love what one author said about this idea of purpose. He said, when you don't understand the purpose of something, you will misuse it. When you don't understand the purpose of something, you will misuse it. This describes my entire philosophy on tools. Because I've got like a small toolbox, but yet I can do a lot of things with that toolbox. Because I'm misusing a lot of the tools in there. Okay? If you don't understand the purpose of something, you will misuse it. But what's key is when you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing. Hear me now. When you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing. I don't ask the socket wrench, what's your purpose? Okay? For two reasons. One, it doesn't talk. And if your socket wrench talks to you, we should talk after church. Okay? When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing. You ask the one who created the thing. You with me? When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you are bound to misuse the thing. And the only way you're going to know what the thing is purposed for is to ask the one who created the thing. And we need to understand that when we don't understand our purpose, we don't run around asking other things Hey, what's my purpose? Do you approve of me? Do you like this? How do I look today? I ate this today. Is that okay that I ate that? Man, I put this thing on Facebook and only 15 people liked it. They mustn't be mad at me. Maybe I'm not popular like I thought I was. We run around trying to get our purpose from things instead of going to the one who created the thing and saying, what is your purpose for creating me? Why did you make me? Why did you form me? What is my purpose in this life? Let's stop looking to other things for our purpose and ask the one who created us. I want to look at a passage, an amazing example of someone in the Bible that made a decision to choose purpose over popularity. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 24. Hebrews eleven twenty-four. Now this is talking about Moses, who we know existed in the Old Testament, but it's giving us kind of a summary of his life, just a very quick summary of this man, Moses. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, that's basically when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather. Now that's a key word, choosing. There was a choice to be made, and he made it. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And I wish, I wish more of us would see that the pleasures of sin are really just for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And we'll break that part down in a little bit here. But I want to do this. I know we've already prayed this morning, but I want to just take a quick moment. And if you're here and you already know you're a You're a people person, meaning you want people to like you. And when somebody doesn't like you, it just eats away at you. I want you to just pray and say, Lord, would you just open my eyes today? And if you're here today and you've got that mindset that this isn't for you, man, this message isn't even for me because I don't really care what people think about me. I'm going to ask you to let the guard down, stop deceiving yourself, 
and say, God, would you show me my purpose? And I want to do that this morning. Let's pray real quick. I know we prayed already, but let's just follow in prayer, a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I know that you have a purpose for everyone in this room. I mean, the Bible says that you formed us, not just created us, but formed us with purpose. And so many people, myself included, we can forget our purpose and we get so into other things. And they may even be good things. But sometimes, Lord, we get so consumed with this desire to be liked by everyone else. That they would accept us as we are and approve of us. And Father, sometimes that means we compromise some things. We love this present world more than we love the purpose that you created us with. We're so busy asking other things what our purpose is that we haven't stopped to ask you what our, thing, our purpose is. And Father, Lord, I fall into this trap too. Lord, if I'm being transparent this morning, Lord, you know me that after a message or after a Bible study or a sermon, I'm just, it's in my nature, Lord. I'm so quick to ask somebody, well, what do you think about that? How do you think this went? Lord, even I, even as a, a pastor, someone that preaches your word, that seemingly knows his purpose, Lord, even I can struggle and do struggle in this area. We just want the approval of others. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that being approved by others isn't a negative. But is it my desire? Is it my motivation? Am I striving and am I driven by those things? Or am I driven with the purpose that you've given me? And in the process, people approve or, or applaud what, what you do through our lives. There's a big difference there. And I pray we would understand it this morning by your grace and by your wisdom. Open our eyes to what you have for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. To me, this passage here in Hebrews chapter 11 is crazy when we really understand what Moses is choosing here. Moses made the decision to give up all the wealth all the possessions, all the notoriety of being a child of the daughter of Pharaoh. And it says here, he willingly chose to suffer affliction with the people of God who were slaves at this time in Egypt. He said, I'm going to surrender all of this wealth and all these things because I know my purpose is to be where God's people are. And he willingly followed that purpose, even though it meant surrendering all the stuff that he was blessed with. Moses understood that his purpose for God was greater than any momentary pleasures he could gain in this world. Choosing rather his calling over his comforts. His calling over his comfort. So I have to ask you this morning, and in your handouts, I should have told you this before, in your bulletins rather, there's a handout. I encourage you to take some notes this morning. If you missed something, if you're like me, that eats away at me too. Like, wait, what did he say? Some of you have already tried to fill in the handout because you've been in church long enough. You're like, oh, I know where he's going there. I know where he's going there. I won't name anybody, but some of you have probably already done that. That's great. I'd love to see your notes when you're all done. Now, don't erase them or anything. You've got to keep it like you wrote it and see who compares some notes here. But I encourage you, take some notes this morning. Write some things down. I pray it's a blessing to you. But let's walk through this. I want to unpack this idea of purpose or popularity. Which choice will you make this morning? The first thing we want to look at is this idea of popularity. Living for the approval of people. Living for the approval of people. The first thing we have to realize is when I live for the approval of people, it keeps me from the purposes of God. It keeps you from the purposes of God. Every day we face choices that reveal who we truly are living for. 
If you know Christ, you have a clear purpose for your life to follow Christ in all that we say, in all that we do, and to make Christ known in this world. See, some of us, we get so hung up on how we do those things. We know we're supposed to make disciples, but how do I make disciples? I know I'm supposed to please him, but how do I please him? Where do I live? What ministry do I plug into? What church do I attend? How do I do this? How do I do that? Sometimes we get so focused on the details of those things that we're missing the bigger picture. Rather than just stepping out where we are and being a Christ follower right now where you live and in the church you're in and in the ministries that need help, rather than doing that and just then watching God open doors, we get so hung up on, God, give me the exact blueprints. Then I'll step up and then I'll serve. We would say it this way, God, if you just show me your will for my life, then I would get connected and plug in. But so often we because we don't really focus on our purpose and we focus on the approval of others, we're not even there. We're not even thinking about God's will for our lives. We forget that we're here for him, not for us. We're here to make disciples of his kingdom, to follow him in all things. Unfortunately, we have exchanged this purpose in our lives and churches for the approval of others. I've said it before, so many pastors and churches are consumed with how to please as many visitors as possible to keep them coming back. To the point, I know of a church that actually asks for six-month reviews from their attenders on how well they are doing. Now, I'm not talking biblically. I'm not saying, hey, are we preaching the word? If I ever preach anything outside of the word of God, I pray that you, the church, would hold me accountable and say, hey, no, no, that's not in there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, do you like the cushion chairs? Do you like this? Do you like that? Like more of like a consumer survey because they're so consumed with the approval of others. And we can run our lives this way. Where we daily are checking off the box. Am I getting all the likes on Facebook? Am I getting all the likes on Instagram? Am I getting all the approval of others? It's great to get the approval of others when a job is well done, but we don't live for those accolades. If you live by the praise of people, you will die by their criticism. If you solely live on the approval of others, if you wake up in the morning and if you get five or six comments through the course of the day on what you're wearing, okay, I'm liked, I'm approved, that gives me worth and value. Some of you are so struggling with this that in your marriages you battle this. If your spouse doesn't verbally or in some way praise you for your look or your appearance or something every single day, you actually you feel depressed and you feel down, like, oh, I'm just not as good as I thought I was. Man, we can get so hung up into all this. It's just, it's everywhere. If somebody, if you do your hair nice, ladies, men will never notice when you cut your hair. Let's just get that right out of the way. I mean, unless you've got hair down to your hips and you chop it off to like here, we're not going to notice. And even then, it's questionable if there's a game on of some kind. (laughs) Do you like what I do with my hair? I've always loved it when you've done it that way. This is the first time I've ever done it this way. It looks great. (laughs) That's what I was saying. I said, every time you've done it this way since you started doing it this morning, I love it. I've never, it's never looked better. We're just not there. We don't live and die by the approval of others. Because listen, if you get your self-worth from how well you're liked by other people who are sinful, imperfect, and can kind of be mean and kind of jerks, man, what's your self-worth going to look like? 
right? It's all over the place. But man, when you get your self-worth from the approval of Christ, and you read in his word, he says, you are my beloved. I created you with purpose. I formed you. I have a specific plan and a purpose, and I love you just as you are, and I'll show you who I can make you into. And you live and you breathe into that of your self-worth. Man, I am loved by God. I was created by him with purpose. Then when somebody doesn't notice your hair or doesn't notice you at work, guys, you ever get a little frustrated when you work really, really hard through a whole week and someone that you know slacked off and they get the praise and you get nothing? I've talked to so many men that say, man, I want to work hard for my boss, but they'll never notice it anyway. So what's the point? What they're saying is, I'll work harder if you approve me. But man, that guy slacks off and he gets approved for what he does, so I'll just slack off. What's the big deal? We do this. We base how we even function our days on the approval of others. Man, we got to be so guarded against this because if we live for the approval of others, it will keep you from the purposes of God. Also, living for the approval of others keeps you imprisoned to popular opinion keeps you imprisoned to popular opinion. There is no more common a cell than the one created by the desire to be liked and approved by others. We live in a day when, for being a so-called tolerant society, we judge others for everything. Think about this for a moment. Homeschool versus public school versus Christian school. If you don't do the one that they think is best, you're, look out. You're a horrible parent. You're sending your kids to a public school? I can say that. I send my boys to a public school. But you know what? I don't have anything against homeschool or Christian school. It's a choice that we made as parents, and you as parents made your choice, and it's all good. You make the best choice with what God has revealed to you at that moment, and then you live in it, and you ask him for wisdom daily. God, help me to know if this isn't the choice for us as a family. But man, you ever been in a situation where you'll share something and somebody will look at you Oh, and then you go, oh, man, maybe I, oh, I want their approval. How about breast milk versus formula, ladies? I'm sure you never went through that conversation. Wait, wait, you, you use formula? Ah, oh, you're one of those moms. You know, if you don't want to do what God created, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's cool. You can use that other stuff, I guess. How many hours a day do you keep your child indoors? <gasps> right? How about how long you let your kids watch TV or play video games or even let them play video games? We judge each other for all of this. What you eat, what you do in your free time, how clean you keep your home. Think about that. I mean, seriously, this is society we live in, and we are constantly consumed with these petty things from day to day. And rather than saying, hey, you made a choice, you made a decision on this conviction, and we're just going to say, hey, now, outside of sinful things, but you notice these aren't sinful things we're talking about. It goes on and on and on, and it can be suffocating to live under the weight of other people's opinion and approval. And while our testimony for Christ is important, you don't have to live under the weight of others' condemnation. Discover in Christ you have a purpose to be what God is for you. And when you look at your life in the lens of the grace that he has offered and the word that he has written, you will discover his purpose for your life. And then when you make a decision and you're basing it on his word and how God is leading you, then you just stand in that conviction. You don't worry about the approval of others. 
Now, again, I'm not talking about sinful decisions. I'm not saying that it's not a brother and sister in Christ's role and really obligation to come alongside another sister or brother in Christ and say, listen, I saw this in your life, and we need to talk about this in love and in grace. This is going on, and we need to come alongside here. I want to help you to find victory from this addiction or this behavior that's hurting you. Now, that's the kind of stuff we deal with. That's not condemnation. That's love. But, man, there's so many other things that we get so harped up on and we get so focused in on. Once you have discovered the purpose God has for you, then you will know the freedom from popular opinion and the joy of glorifying God in your life because there truly is power in purpose. I want to walk through this next section here, the power of purpose. Now that we've discovered what the approval of others look like, looks like, what is the purpose-type living? The idea of I focus in on the purpose of God for my life, what does that look like? Well, there is power a true power of purpose. The first thing we understand is that purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose diminishes distractions. Look at verse 26 of Hebrews 11. It says here, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And he says there is value in this affliction I'm going through for Christ, and it's greater than the physical treasures in this world. What does Peter talk about? That our faith is refined, is tried through the fire, and it comes out pure. This means that, man, listen, we go through some things, and we're willingly choosing to walk with Christ in this world, and we suffer some persecution or some affliction, even momentary or minor. We realize that's of greater value than whatever I thought I lost. Because purpose diminishes distraction. He goes on to say this, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses looked beyond the moment and focused on the future reward. As one translation said it, for he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since, this is why, since his attention was on the reward. We get our eyes on the temporary, off, on the temporary reward of the instant popularity or acceptance of others, which is just as easily taken from us. See, we're not focused on this eternal reward or this future reward. We're focused on this momentary reward of getting the approval of others. And I said a few minutes ago, man, it can be just as easily taken away from us in this world today. But when you live with an eternal lens, listen, by the way, approach your marriages with an eternal perspective, not a momentary one. So many couples focus on today. And it's great to enjoy today, but we see today in the lens of eternity. What do I mean? Husbands and wives. Think of it this way. Is your purpose as a husband or a wife to do everything possible so that when your spouse stands before Christ one day, you've done all you can to prepare him for that, that moment? Moms and dads, raise your children with an eternal lens. Am I doing everything today so that when my son or daughter stands before Christ one day, I've done everything to prepare them for that moment? Not just passing the test. Not just making the team. Not just getting ahead here and having a nice job and going to college and learning this instrument. That's all good stuff. But are we stepping back and saying, man, am I preparing my son or my daughter for eternity? Not just high school. Not just D1 college. The greatest tragedy in churches today is that Christian parents are more concerned about sports and academics than preparing their children spiritually for the rest of their lives. And yet your greatest 
challenge from the Word of God as a parent is to admonish and nourish and counsel your children in the Word of God. But then we get so wrapped up in this stuff because we want the approval of others. I want my kid to go to a good school, to have a good job, to be successful in life. Partly because I want the best for them, but partly because I want to know I was a good parent. So people will say, oh man, look at little Billy. Look at how well he's doing in school. You guys must be so proud. Yeah, we're proud of Billy. Do you see how it's the approval of others still just wrapped up in there? Now, I'm not saying it's bad for little Billy or little Sally or any other fictional names that I'm going to throw out there because I don't think we have any Billies or Sallys. I don't believe we have a Billy or Sally. If we do, little asterisks, I apologize, okay? Then it's great for them to do well in that field or that sport or that talent, man, musically or whatever, how God is going to use that. But is that your focus? So that people will go pat you on the back, man, you are a great mom and dad. Look at how well they're doing in school. Man, the praise I want for my children, and they're not there yet, and I pray they will continue to grow in Christ as young men that love the Lord is. Man, look at how they're making a difference for Christ. And I can say, hey, that's the one, I can't take any credit for that. All I can say is that we tried our best to encourage them in the Lord. Man, are we so focused on the approval of others that we're getting caught up in the distractions, not thinking with an eternal lens on the reward to come. And listen, the greatest reward of all is going to be when Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's the reward that we're looking forward to. And you might lose something in this world, but when you realize your purpose, it diminishes distractions. Number two, purpose pushes you through the pain. Purpose pushes you through the pain. When we choose to do what God has called us to do, we will face various types of painful situations. Loss of friendships, jobs, conveniences, and etc. Sometimes the pain that comes while you are pursuing God's purpose will come from those closest to you in the form of criticism. Why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? Wait, you guys don't do that? Why don't you do this? Why aren't you going to watch that? Why don't you let your kids do this? Do you really think that's a big deal? You see, as you're pursuing the purposes of God for yourself individually, as a family, as an individual, wherever you are on the spectrum of life, other people around you will start to even criticize you, even friends and family members. What do you mean you go to church twice a week? You only got to go once. What do you mean you're not going to do this or not allow them to do that or whatever? It's all these different things. And if we're not careful... That pain we start feeling will cause us to want to compromise back off the purpose to gain the approval of others. But when you know your purpose, it'll push you through the pain. Even when the pain comes from someone close to you. Even when the pain comes from losing something that you want. To be honest, when you pursue the purposes of God, you need to expect criticism. All throughout the Bible, you read of men and women called by God to do this or that, and the crowd or even the religious didn't get it and criticized them. How about Noah? Think about Noah for a second. Your neighbor's, Noah's neighbor, and he starts building a boat because it's going to rain for 40 days and God's going to flood the world. You don't think Noah got a little criticism? Hang on a second, Noah. You're at 95 years on this thing. Do you really still think God's going to do this thing? I mean, come on, buddy. Let's, I mean... This is getting a little out of hand. 
Think of all the money you've invested in this. Think of all the, the time you've invested in this and the things you've lost out on because you weren't a part of this or a part of that. I mean, is this really worth it, Noah? Come on. But Noah knew his purpose. And God said, do this. And Noah said, I'll do that. And even when the criticism comes, which we need to expect criticism, it pushes us through when we know our purpose. Take heart. Because not only will purpose minimize distractions and push you through the pain, purpose empowers you to please God. Turn over to one more chapter, one more verse here before we close in just a few minutes. Acts chapter 5. Purpose empowers you to please God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. When you understand your purpose and you're set free from the cell of popular opinion, that purpose will push you through the pain. That purpose will diminish distractions, but also that purpose empowers you to please God. Look at verse 20, 29 of Acts 5. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, we don't have time to read the whole chapter here, which you're going to find out here. These apostles were going through great persecution, fear of imprisonment and beatings. And they were challenged. Don't you tell anybody else about this Jesus. Don't you dare speak the name Jesus anymore. And their response, so clear and so concise is, we ought to obey God rather than man. Because here's the reality. When I understand my purpose, I am empowered to please God first and foremost in my life. This is truly the purpose of our salvation, to please Him. If you are here and you have not accepted Christ, you've not personally received Him into your life, then that might sound strange to you or even egotistical on God's parts. How dare this God say I should live every part of my life for Him? Who is He to tell me this? That's egotistical, that's selfish, that's self-centered, and you would be absolutely right. It is 100% okay for God to be egotistical because he's the only one that can. Because he's the only one that actually deserves all of our praise and all of our attention and all of our lives submitted to him and to his purposes. He's the only one worthy of it because he's the only one that sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and as we celebrated last week, to rise again, that you, by trusting in Christ and Him alone, can find the forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Him. And so because of that alone, He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy for all of my life to please Him. Because He is Creator God and He is authority over all of creation, He is worthy of me to say, I will do everything that pleases you and first to please you and not me. But sometimes we forget these things. We don't focus on our purpose. We focus on ourselves. Have you ever noticed when you are living in the purposes of God and you are empowered to please Him, you have more joy and you end up having pleasure in what you're doing so that you yourself are pleased? Can anybody attest to that? When you're pleasing God and doing what he's called you to do and you're giving yourself up and you're surrendering this and surrendering that, you actually have more joy than when you were focused on you and trying to please you. Anybody been there? Isn't it awesome? But can we say this? I think we've all also been on the other side of that coin 
where we tried to please ourselves and do what we wanted to do and what we thought was good for us, and we found less joy and more struggle and more chaos and more confusion. And we end up having to fall on our knees and say, God, I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I gave in again. I can't believe I bought the lie. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe this. And God is going, I knew exactly what you were going to do. And here's the kicker. I still love you. So you repent and you confess and you turn from it. Man, repentance is the greatest gift God has ever given us. Amen? The gracious gift of God that I can look at where I am in my life and say, this is not pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit convicts my heart, challenges me, convicts me of sin and righteousness. And I go, this is wrong. God, I'm choosing to change my mind by your grace and the renewal of your Holy Spirit. And I'm turning from that. What a gift. But we have to act on the gift. We have to engage that gift. We have to be willing to say, I'm going to do this and turn from these things. We are called and equipped to please him by his grace. And when you understand your purpose in life, you will please him willingly and joyfully. I asked you to imagine at the beginning everyone liked you and shared that that will never happen. That not at any point in your life will every single person on planet earth or even in your family like you. Now that's except for my family because I mean, Sandra loves me all the time. I've never annoyed her in any way, shape, or form. She's all, like, we just wake up in the morning, she's like, thank you for being you today. And I'm like, oh, honey, stop it. <laughs> it's a slight exaggeration. <laughs> Ever so slight. And while it's true that not everyone in this world will like you, I want you to imagine something else for a moment. I want you to do this. I want you to imagine something not only possible, but what I believe God wants for all of us. I want you to imagine waking up every single morning so consumed by the purposes of God and what he has for you more than the approval of others that the approval of others doesn't mean as much. Where it drives you, it can and will happen. I mean, can you imagine Imagine every single moment just waking up saying, God, thank you for today, a day I can please you, a day I can walk in your purpose, a day I can be used by you to do something, to touch someone else's life that needs a word of God in their life, that is just at the worst part of their life. God, thank you for giving me that gift today. And you know what? The approval of others starts to go down and down and down. And man, the glory of God goes up and up and up, and your life becomes a testimony to other people of what it looks like to just live every moment for God's glory. And that's not only imagine what if, it's doable, and it can start right now. And tomorrow morning, I don't care what you did today, or yesterday, or last week, or six months ago, if you will say, God, I surrender that, I repent of that, I receive your grace and forgiveness of sins, I will live every day for you. And you might say, that's so unrealistic. You can't live every day for God. That's because you believe the lie of the enemy. You can't live every day for God. Who can do that? Well, there's a few examples in scriptures of those that did and those that didn't. And God says, my grace is for all of them. How about Enoch? Enoch was a man that walked after God's heart so much, that loved God so much that God said, I got to bring you home. I got to reward you now for all that you're doing and how much you love me. He didn't even face death, the Bible says. He was just taken home. 
And here's what we do. We focus on David, right? Oh, look at David, a man from God. Yeah, but he sinned with Bathsheba. Look at Moses. He killed a man. Look at Noah. He got drunk and did this. Man, why do we focus on their, their negatives? Do you like it when people do that to you? Do you like people focusing on your negatives and your moments and your mistakes, even though momentary? You realize that David lived most of his life, most of his life, serving God, honoring God, worshiping God, doing all that God asked him to do, made one bad decision that led to another bad decision that led to another bad decision and another bad decision. And now we can say, well, yeah, but look what he did. It could have most likely been a matter of a couple of weeks of his life that are recorded that he made a mistake. And we dwell on that. Now we dwell on that because why do we like that? Why do we like to know those things? Because, oh man, that makes me feel better about my sin. It's okay, God loves me because I messed up, David messed up. There's a good to that and there's a bad to that. The good is God still does love you even when you sin, even when you fall, even when you falter. He still loves you and he will pick you up and use you. But the bad to that is it almost becomes an excuse to keep sinning. We've got to be so careful there. We've got to be so careful there. Because you know why David was used by God after his experience with Bathsheba? Because he repented. And he said, man, I've done a wicked thing. My heart breaks. My bed is soaked with sadness. And he didn't leave it there. He said, God, you need to forgive me. I am so sorry for this. And he moved on. And so what we need to do is understand, man, your purpose will empower you to please God in every day. You can wake up every day and please God with your life. It can consume you. And you'll start forgetting about the approval of others. And you'll find joy and peace in the craziest of circumstances. And watch God use you. Real quick, on the bottom of your handout, you will see some application questions. And I wanted to do this this morning because I want you to think about these questions. You don't need to answer them all now, obviously, for time's sake, if you want to spend more time on this. But I want you to answer these questions. I want you to think about these things. My main purpose is blank. My main distraction is what? My greatest pain is what? And to choose purpose, I will... Do what? Because if you leave here today and you just heard an okay message from an average preacher in a great church, but you never apply any of this, then it's been great having you, but you just wasted a lot of your time. And then go from this place and say, God, would you help me to apply these things? I would encourage you to take a few moments and answer those whether now or even after today, and allowing God to open your eyes to the purpose your life can have and the distractions hindering you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the band come forward, and we're going to have just a short time of invitation. And I'm going to ask you to just honestly and seriously evaluate the answer to these questions, and I want you to come forward this morning. I want you to spend some time with the Lord. I want you to bend a knee to ask Him, Lord, what is my purpose? What is my distraction? And how can I choose purpose over popularity. Would you bow your heads to me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, for the example of Moses, a man that chose purpose over comfort, his calling 
over convenience. And Lord, I pray that we would understand our purpose as a follower of Christ. That we would stop living for the approval of others, imprisoning ourselves in the the opinion of, of the popular crowd, but that we would genuinely and wholeheartedly accept the purpose that you have for our lives to repent of anything that's bothering, distracting, hindering. If there's somebody here that's battling in a sin issue, Lord, I pray that they would realize your grace is for them, that you can lift them up and forgive them of their sins. You can set them on a new path, a path of purpose and direction. Lord, may you be the one that leads us and guides us, and I pray that you'd be glorified in all this. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray you'd speak into their hearts. They would know the love of God for them, that they could accept you today and find salvation. Father, if there's anyone here that's battling in this area of popular opinion versus their purpose in life, I pray they would identify their distractions, admit those things to you, get serious about the purpose of God in their lives and watch you do great things as we walk and live in your grace. Lord, may we make the choice today choose purpose over popularity. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as these guys lead us in a song of invitation? Here's what I want to ask you to do. I don't usually really push this, but I want you to come forward. If you at all feel the Lord leading you to, please come. Bend a knee. If you're struggling with purpose over popularity, decide today. Choose today to surrender to distraction, to give that up, and to say, I'm going to choose God's purpose in my life not be in prison to popular opinion. If you're tired of being a victim to that and the approval of others, come and surrender today and say, God, I just want your purpose in my life. Would you respond to him as, the, as we sing together? Would you just answer the call this morning?